2: Locked on to Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio station. It's my station. It's my station. <laughs> this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
4: everybody? Hans and Scotty 975 BKSL Sports Zone. How you doing my man? Doing really good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good. You're I'm ex- here. I'm excited. Yes, I was going to leave this morning and do the show from uh, from uh, down in Vegas, but I thought this morning why why I'll just go after the show deal with the storm. Although I was corrected. I think the storm's going to hit up here in northern Utah. I don't think it's going to hit southern Utah. That's another reason why.
3: I think, you're gonna be, I th- I think your roads are going to be fine.
4: Yeah, I think so, too. So, after the show, and then I'll do the show in Vegas the next couple of days. Well, because, really, an early trip to Vegas, that's only trouble. Yeah. More time in Vegas is just trouble. Nope. Don't need it. Don't need that in your life. No, well, Nope. So, yep. Conference tournaments will get underway. Utah's in action later on tonight. Of course, BYU's already done. Utah State will get underway tomorrow. And uh, off we go, Hands nice. Fired up. It's going to be a fun weekend. A lot of good basketball.
3: A lot of things to stay tuned to. You know, you've got the Jazz that are doing their thing right now. I think that the Jazz have found a pretty nice pocket. Getting done what they need to get done. Playing the guys that they need to play. But keep losing. Yes. I think that's going extremely well. Spring ball is continuing on. BYU's practicing again a little bit later this evening. I guess this is the first opportunity for recruits to get out to spring ball and stuff. So you got all kinds of stuff that's going on down in Provo. Just trying to pay attention and keep up with the transfer portal and all these different names and watching the different talent out there just to see what
4: BYU's doing. It's just a busy time. I was talking to a friend earlier this morning, and uh, he's got a son that's heavily recruited and he's just like this recruiting world is a mess and I might add like I do not I mean I envy you a little bit but a year from now I can't imagine what life is going to be like for you guys don't know and it's just depends depends on what he
3: does if if he's committed to it I think he'll be an incredible recruit I think he would be a huge recruit I mean he's already getting plenty of contacts and He's got opportunities already and he's doing his thing, but he's just, you know, he's just a baby, just a little baby yeah. Buffalo, little sophomore, fresh faced puppy that keeps growing. I don't know if he's going to hit
4: six, six, but he's six, five and a half without shoes. You worry too much. Like, is there a thought of like too tall? No. No. Okay. No, You just too, slip him over to left tackle and you're good.
3: Too tall would be over six, eight. And there's not a chance he's getting anywhere close to six, eight. Okay. That's just. It genetically just shouldn't happen it won't happen you get in that six six range and high school is going to move you out to the tackle spot at six six doesn't matter what you do but you could still play an interior position at the college level at six six pretty well okay um but my guess is he'll probably move out to tackle if he does hit the six six mark but he's six five and a half.
4: But what, what was this guy that you were talking to, what was he saying that's so difficult? About? Well, it's just that uh, dealing with schools and they're just, it's just suffocating. Like the amount of text messages and phone calls and even just snail mail, just they will, they want to be in your face 24 seven and they don't want to give you any room to breathe because they think if they let up, somebody else is going to sneak in there and steal you away. Yeah. And he just goes, that's the one thing that's been really surprising is just the level of suffocation of just like there's no break from it ever.
3: It's a good problem to have because there are so many kids out there that would do anything just to have one coach send one letter. And so many kids don't even get a whiff because of their size or the athleticism. But they play really well at the high high school level. Yeah, They're good high school football players. And in their mind, they're thinking, I should at least get a letter. But they don't get a letter. Just an invite to show up on an unofficial trip. Well, one thing that Will Snowden has talked a lot about as he's joined our show over the years is it doesn't really matter. The level doesn't matter. Yeah, Find the money. And there's money out there for football. There's money out there at the JUCO level to the... FCS to the FBS and all the way through to the P5s there's money out there for scholarships and there's opportunities to play. If you're really that hungry to play, you can find a place to play. I've seen a lot of kids that come through the high school ranks and I've seen them get those JUCO offers or the the division 3 offers, you know, the kind of the lower level football offers. And they'll pay for your school, and you can get your GEs, and you can start into your college life and possibly get recruited out of that level to a higher level. And I've seen guys say, no, I don't. It's not worth it to me. That doesn't make sense to me. If you follow the trail on some of these guys, like J.J. Watt, follow his trail. Yeah. Central Michigan. It came out of just a deep passion for the game. Didn't matter where he played. Yeah. He was just going to go play, have his college paid for, and see what happens. The weird thing is so many bodies mature at different ages. So Rock, my son Rock right now is getting his height. And he got his weight early, but he got baby weight. It's not the best weight. Got his weight way early, way before his height. Now he's getting the height and the baby weight's falling off. He's still a year and a half away from getting that Olsen muscle, the Olsen build. It just comes late. Yeah. In the meantime, you can do what you Need to do to be successful with what you've got at that point. But kids mature and things change. That's why with college coaching, there's a lot of projection that goes into recruiting. You have to project. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to look at a kid and say, okay, I know who his dad is. I know yeah. his mom. I see this kid and he's growing, but he's a junior going into his senior year and he's still a little unorthodox, you have to be able to project and say, that kid's going to straighten out.
4: Yeah. I. There was another kid that I knew that I knew the family and uh, and he was getting recruited and the coach comes up, attended one of his games, said, hey, where's your parents at? I want to meet your parents. And uh, so the kid took him over met, invited, and met the parents and he goes, all I wanted to do was just see what mom and dad looked like and see what the frame was and what yeah. he's working with and what you know, another 10 years or, I mean, you know, five years might look like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's another story. Um. And I, I know who the player is. I won't say who the player was, but he played basketball at the University of Utah. And anyway, the kid was rail thin. Rick Majeris goes into the kid's home and tells the kid, he goes, now, I'm a little concerned about, you know, him being able to put on weight. But after seeing Mom, I, I can see that he'll be okay. He'll be able to put on some weight. Huh. Really? He said that out loud? Said that, that wasn't in her monologue? No, he said it in the home. <laughs> he said That, well, didn't, that well, didn't just go through his brain? He said, well, mom, uh, Mom's putting on some LBs, so yeah, I think he'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. We'll be able to put some weight on him. Oh, boy. Unbelievable. That's Rick Majerus. <laughs>
3: That's unbelievable. There's uh ask Tim LaCombe about that story. There are so many crazy things about recruiting though. It's it's been an eye opener. And football is it's been so much different than my girls in volleyball. It's yeah. just a different animal. It's a completely different beast. Uh had an opportunity to talk with a lot of BYU A D greats today. There was. I went to a funeral. Tom Ramage, my D-line coach, his wife, Winona, passed. And so my wife and I attended that funeral today. Tom Ramage was one of the original parts of Lavelle Edwards' staff. Yeah, for sure. And so really just some great people coming through. Uh, Tom Homo and Rondo Fellberg and um, Mike King and just the who's who of a lot of BYU administration. And what's interesting is, and it wasn't so much, I didn't talk to Tom Homo at all about this, but some of the older generations, I heard somebody say to Mike King, who was like our associate AD back in 97 or 98 at BYU, they said, hey, we need to get you back in here working with the NIL stuff. And the look on his eyes, like, no, we're not, not doing that just the way the world has changed from when Rondo was in there or Mike was in there. It has evolved so much, Scotty, in the world of recruiting and paying recruits. And I know it's not legal to pay recruits to come play, but these collectives that are feeding money and putting these avenues out there for kids, it is changing so much. And so here I am at the funeral of the wife of my coach in college. And that woman, Winona meant a lot to me and a lot to my wife because when you're going through college, the coach's wives back then were an example and they were a huge help. She fed us, well, she did a little defensive line party yep. every Thursday night that we'd all get together and hang out, eat a little bit of food, talk, play some games every Thursday night for five years. Wow, And, she was just great at bringing the team, bringing our D line together and then helping our wives. Once I got married my senior year, Amanda came to every one of those and she got to know one on And I wonder if that connectivity is still there in the college football world. I wonder if a coach's wife, out of fear of breaking a rule or getting caught on Instagram or Having a football player say something negative on social media or I just wonder if they back away from the opportunity to be that mentor, that example that Winona
4: Ramage was to us. Or the, the kid is playing in his third school in four years and never develops those relationships because he's not yeah. there long enough. Yeah, exactly.
3: I got five years with her.
4: Yeah. I mean, now you've got kids that are playing for four school. There's. There's there's kids playing you know college basketball that are playing in their fourth school in five years. I don't know how they're pulling it off, but you look at some of these places these guys have been. It's like holy smokes, how can you develop any kind of love or you know any kind of respect, respect or admiration? Admiration, yeah. you know that, that deep connectivity. Like here's the thing, you know. Look, I'd like to think on this show. I'll just you know you don't have to jump in on this, but I'll I'll say like I didn't play ball at Utah State, but. But I went to Utah State, and I've got a lot of fond memories of my time at Utah State. That's where I met my wife. That's where I learned how to be a, a an adult. Like, uh, so many great experiences for me were in Logan. Yeah. So do I have a little extra love for that university? Absolutely, yes. Now, I, I feel like I can, you know, talk about them plainly and all that stuff in terms of being a radio host, as you do with BYU, But yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like your alma mater means something to you because you blood, you know, you bled, you sweat, in tears, and everything with that university. And now I don't think a lot of kids develop that same kind of connection to their university because they're essentially assassins for hire. Yeah. Which okay, fine, go get your money, and I get that. But the university is just a mechanism. It's just yeah,
3: yeah. It's just it's a mechanism to whatever level that they've got, and they'll they'll stomp on it and tread all over it. In order to move on to the next thing. Yeah,
4: which is fine. You know, I'm not knocking it, but I feel bad that you miss out on that.
3: It's fine, but things are just getting so weird with all of it and the recruiting aspects of the portal and jumping into the portal. It feels seedy because I think kids are being misled. I think kids are being misled with NIL opportunities now. I think universities are – and I, I know that there was a BYU coach that sent out a tweet in regards to a tweet I sent out. And he – I can't remember if he retweeted it or – I think he just commented on it. You remember? Yeah, yeah. And said, just watch what offers are out there and vet it. Make sure that you get paid on the money you're being told you're going to get paid because there's going to be some of that happening. There's a lot of that happening now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hearing more and more stories just in the area that there's been financial offerings that have not been fulfilled. So those things are all really strange. And so it's it's all leading up to as you mentioned, college is not going to be as much about relationships or doesn't feel like it's as much about relationships. Yeah. And Here I am trying to explain to my son that because I'm I'm trying to teach him whatever university you choose or if you choose to go play college football, whatever you decide. If you choose a university, it has to be end of world stuff. It's not I'm coming into my junior year and I don't have a single start or I'm coming into my junior year and I haven't got an on-field rep yet. that. That, to me, is no reason to jump into a portal. That, to me, is a reason to kick yourself in gear and say, okay, I've got to do more. I've got to do better, not leave the situation. Oh, but a coach hates me. It's politics. Figure out what the coach's problem is. Is the coach's problem that you missed a couple of training sessions? Is the coach's problem that you are undersized? You're physically not strong enough. Can you be honest with yourself and say, what is it that's holding me back? And then address what that is and advance and get better and compete and get stronger and show coaches what you got. I, I still think that Cameron Rising's story is one of the better stories at the University of Utah. Yeah. Now, he is a transfer. He right? is a transfer. So he started with university. I can't remember. Was what, it Texas? Man, I, I can't remember what his start was. But as he comes to Utah— watching Kyle Whittingham and that coaching staff tried to feed these transfer, these quarterback transfers in front of him. And he just kept fighting Yeah, and fighting. I think that that's given him the identity he currently has. I don't think he'd be that quarterback if you didn't do those things. Agreed. Agreed. So instead of telling, turn and tell and running, he endeared himself to a fan base. He's won a couple of PAC 12 championships. He's, Got to be one of Coach Whittingham's top five all-time players. Has to be. He's won the championships, and he fought through all of this adversity. When the start was given to a transfer because he had 10,000 yards at Baylor before he even showed up on a Utah campus. And I'm not even saying that that stuff's wrong because, again, it's it's made Cameron who he is. But I want to be the Cameron rising. Yeah, I don't want to be the...
4: The Baylor quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I forgot his name already, but I understand.
3: I don't or, want to be that guy.
4: Or who's the guy that they passed on um, Zach Wilson for, who came to Utah, and yeah. now he's now he's on his fourth school, it seems like.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. I, these
4: quarterbacks, I know, right? They just shift in the night.
3: I've got so many spring ball rosters in my head right now. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out so many of these guys that I've never heard of, and I'm sitting there watching BYU practice And I'm thinking, wait a second, who is who the heck is this? There's a couple guys
4: out there that obviously are recognizable. Well, the wide receiver you mentioned yesterday, you know, I'd space that guy's name.
3: Yeah, so this wide receiver, he's a Florida kid, and I think he's going to be good. His name is Dom Henry. He's five eleven, 175 pounds. I'm still learning a little bit about him. He's out of St. Augustine, Florida, and he's he's fast, but. He caught one pass from Keaton Slovis that came over the top, and it's like, oh well, who's that guy? Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a constant learning. But, and and I'm trying to remember that quarterback's name still, Scotty, because he was like a four star. He was like the highest, rec- the highest level recruit that Utah had ever brought in at the quarterback position.
4: They went to what Indiana, and now he's on to somewhere else. Yeah, he's all over the place. What was his name? Lloyd. The this quarterback, is the that, Utah quarterback, that four-star uh, guy,
3: that was here for a bit and then launched, was 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 not having it, and and you know I heard a couple of things, well, I've heard things about recruits as they're trying to make up excuses as to why they leave, and these these guys, that's one of the tough things is, it, no, not Castelli.
4: There was Bentley. He's he was the Baylor guy, right? I want to say it was Andrew something, but and then you got Brewer. It was, oh, was it one of, one of the ones that played? It Was it the one that Zach Wilson? Uh, yeah, it wasn't Bentley. It wasn't they Brewer. Gave, they passed up on Zach Wilson for
3: it's like a four star kid oh, that was here um, for a minute.
4: They've Jack got, Tuttle. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. What type? What is that? Three years ago now? Yeah, two or three years ago that he's left. It's got a text from Meyer. Our buddy who makes the championship belts. Remember those?
3: Oh yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Those. We need nice. to get a zone one of those. Yeah, that'd those be pretty tremendous sweet. work.
3: So, i I'm, I'm hoping to instill in my son, and this is just my this is my angle. I'm hoping to instill in my son that it's got to take a major, some okay. natural disaster, some big shift,
4: in order. For you to transfer. Okay, let's. All right. So let's say he goes somewhere, he's having success, he's starting, he's playing well, he's getting every opportunity, but he's making $2,000 a month from a collective, and a major P5 Blue Blood comes in and offers him $10,000 a month in a collective. You had to do that, didn't you? So he's getting every opportunity, everything's going well, loves his coaches, loves the school. Great friends. Maybe I shouldn't put you on the spot there. But I think that's a tough decision for a kid. As a parent, it's tough because you know, Scotty, think about if you
3: would have had, and I'm just making it, I'll make it somewhat relative. If you could have invested $5,000 or $6,000 into anything when you were 20.
4: Yeah. I think I read something if you were. Twenty one, or or you know, in your early twenties, if you had invested fifteen thousand, by the time you retire, it would be several million or something several, like that. Several million, yeah.
3: You know, it's so funny because me and my old teammates from BYU, we talk about the land at the point of the mountain. When when we would come around the point of that mountain, we'd leave Provo and come over to Salt Lake for the dance clubs and some of the nightlife. I know that there's NBA people that don't feel like there's nightlife, but that's where we would come for
4: nightlife. Yeah.
3: And there was nothing. There nothing. wasn't a single street light. Yeah. There was no dinosaur museum. It was just an empty hill. And we always think, you could have got that money for, you could have got that, some of that land for nothing. Nothing.
4: Absolutely nothing.
3: And if you got money and some level of idea and understanding of growth, you put that money in, it'll be millions by the time you're done. To have money at that age and and to have proper guidance with the money, that's a difference maker. But- Even then, I don't think so, Scotty. Even then, you would want to explain to your son, hold up to your commitment. Yeah, yeah, but dad, they're not holding up to their commitment. I I understand. But you understand, they don't hold up to their end of the bargain. How do you feel about them? I feel like they're trash. Okay, so what's going to happen? What are people going to think when you don't hold up to your end of the bargain? They're going to think I'm trash. Right. So if you can hold... Your agreement, as long as you can hold your agreement, that's the way you got to do it, son. That to me, that's integrity. But, but there are cases, Scotty, and 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 you know, I'm a physical level coach. Yeah, if a coach roughs my son up, grabs his face mask, spits in his face a little bit, calls me and says, Dad, I'm done. I say, What happened? He grabbed my face mask, shook my head, spit in my face a little bit, son. You're gonna have to toughen up, get better. Why was he screaming? I took a wrong step on a on a backside direction. What, why did, did take the right step? Maybe he won't scream in your face. There are some things that will cross the line, but it takes a lot. Yeah, mainly because of probably what you and I went through, we, and what yeah. Lloyd went through, in in our time with coaches. Coaches were unbridled in our day. Coaches
4: were pretty unbridled in yep. our day. Oh yeah, yep. All right, Hans and Scotty, Brian Fisher is going to join us next. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
2: Wherever you go, the zone will be right there with you every step of the way. It's the all-new KSL Sports
0: Zone. I love it
2: where you can listen to The Zone wherever you may be. Listen to me, this stuff is available everywhere. It's your new home for streaming The Zone and getting all the latest news, insight, and analysis of the teams you can't live without. It's the all-new KSL Sports App. Available now wherever you shop for apps.
0: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.
2: You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chin, Chin, Chin. That's right, yeah. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Up.
4: Welcome on in. You're listening to 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Time to talk a little college football with one of our favorites, Brian Fisher, college football writer at uh, College Football on Fox, also host of the Head Coach You podcast. Brian, how you doing? Hey,
1: Brian. Good to be on with you guys. I'm doing well. It's great to
4: hear from you. Look at you, multi-talented. We think of you and think college football, but you're in Vegas catching a little college hoops, right?
1: It is. It is March, and so, uh, you know, it's part of my, uh, my deal with Fox, obviously. We're, we're doing a bunch of uh, coverage here with all the conference tournaments, and uh, it, it's a great time of the year. No matter whether you're a particularly more of a college football fan, uh, I think everybody kind of has their special place in their heart for uh, this month and, and what it means on the hard court.
3: When did you find out George Klyovkov would not be made available?
1: Uh, you know, I actually asked about that uh, a couple weeks ago and kind of got rebuffed. So I think that was kind of my my first sign that, that we were not going kind to of have that, that state of the conference uh, kind of presser that we typically have at these types of events. You know, we, we do uh, tend to get most of the Power Five commissioners will speak at least informally uh, a little bit. But uh, it does seem like uh, kind of uh, things are kind of staying on the down low, I guess, uh, here in Vegas. All right.
4: So, Brian, we live in a world of... Instant reaction, whether it's the talking heads on whatever, you know, network you want to watch or us in sports radio. I mean, I'll put us in that category and certainly on Twitter. We see things, we hear things and it immediately it's the greatest thing in the world or it's the world's coming to an end. So take a step back from all of the noise. Just how dire is the situation in the Pac-12 right now?
1: Well, I think Dyer would, would uh, be putting it, uh, that, that might be a little strong uh, in terms of wording there. The uh, CEOs met yesterday in Vegas. I'm told those those conversations were pretty productive. I, I think there could be something, uh, you know, kind of in the next couple of weeks in terms of the media rights front. But, um, you know, the the problem you know, really the the Pac-12 has been dealing with, and, and a lot of it was frankly caused by, you know, kind of the Big 12 jumping the line is, Uh, You know, they kind of thought there would be a ton of bidders and and interest in in these rights. And, um, you know, when you only have a couple of people at the table, that's kind of hard to drive up the price. And I think that's, you know, initially what the uh, conference was – uh, you know really focused on and hoping for, but uh, you know it it's it's, uh, it's a different economic climate even even from six months ago. and so I think that uh, is is weighing a bit heavy and, and probably a, a big driver in terms of why these things are uh, taking a little bit longer than I don't know certainly the fans and even the administrators across the conference would would, would have hoped to have had.
3: Brian, do you read much into that conference commissioner not being there? Do you think that there's a deeper meaning to that?
1: I, I don't. Uh I, I think that is just kind of the, the preference uh but you know by the conference and, and, and their strategy. But I I do think it's a, a bit misguided. Um and, and I think the whole thing about uh you know providing leadership in these situations, even if you don't have something to say, you know, there there is something to be said to kind of being reassuring to, to fans and, and administrators out there given just kind of all the noise uh that is that is out there. And I think there's kind of the ultimate uh thought that, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, those final numbers, that the, the the overall deal, everything that will eventually come out, uh, we'll, we'll do the talking for them. But, um, you know, in, in in the media environment that we currently find ourselves in, uh, I, I think that's a little bit misguided. And I think it would, would serve the Pac-12 uh, a lot better if uh, you know George can kind of came out and, and uh, certainly not only addressed the media, even if there's maybe not uh, not the kind of update that fans are, are hoping to hear. At, at least kind of settle the nerves uh, around the conference because it seems like um, uh, some around the league are, are certainly feeling things, just given all the rumors that are flying around right now.
4: Do you feel like uh, a new TV deal with the Pac-12 will also include expansion, San Diego State and and uh, SMU, most likely?
1: I I would think so. Uh I think that, you know, you kinda have those conversations in parallel, uh, even though, you know, ultimately what will come first is those media rights agreements and the fact that very insistent on that uh you know i think that's kind of the, been typical typical of the cadence uh you know in terms of, of uh conference expansion in, in the past I, I think they've done their due diligence they're, they're certainly not quite at the uh, uh process where, where they're going to be handing out any invitations or anything like that but um you know i think they're pretty far down the road where they're at least comfortable with their options now are those the greatest options in, in, in the world no but uh this is kind of where where the conference finds itself and uh you know, they're going to be navigating that, I think, kind of almost in parallel, and you're going to probably see a pretty quick succession of, of announcements over the next six months or so. Brian,
3: I can't imagine the lack of trust there is now in the Pac-12. I have to imagine everybody is kind of in their room worrying about themselves and less about each other, where USC blindsided so many, at least, that's what it's certainly come across to me as me as I've talked to more and more people that are on the inside of things with that lack of trust, are you ever going to get these guys to sign anything with any type of length of agreement in in uh, in standing firm in that conference?
1: Well, you know, I think media media deals are typical drivers of, of complementary alignment. So, uh, you know, there, there's not necessarily all that much out there, especially if uh, you know, given the, the transition the Big Ten is going through with a new commissioner coming in. You know, that there's really not uh, much much out there in terms of the next five or six years. Now, if you're talking about, uh, you know, is there going to be a long-term deal presented, something like that? I, I think that would be uh, certainly raise a few more eyebrows around it. But I think everybody kind of understands where the window is and are at least comfortable with. A medium to kind of short term deal, and, and moving forward with that. And you know, it, it is interesting. You know, you talk with people around the, the Pac-12, and and there is that kind of real sense of camaraderie. You know, everybody has preached, you know, that all all the ten remaining schools are you know together and, and all that. But uh, you know, at the same time, as as we have seen, not just with USC and UCLA, but um, really in in all these conference realignment scenarios everybody does end up looking out for themselves. So that that is something always to uh, to keep in mind. And, you know, frankly, from from a uh, governance perspective, that's uh, ultimately what the president and, and athletic directors are, are really tasked to by by their university systems.
4: So the Florida State athletic director mentioned that, hey, look, this isn't sustainable. We've got to find a way to increase our revenue. Uh, how ironclad is that grant of rights with the ACC? And at most, would it lead to, um, maybe uneven distribution in that conference is that where they're heading
1: i i think there's definitely some some huge groundswell there in the acc for, for just that thing and, and we've already seen you know clemson's ad has, has kind of made similar remarks um, you know north carolina's ad came out yesterday uh and, and kind of voiced the same and so the, the heavy hitters in the acc are, are making their position known and uh, drawing the line in the sand and i think ultimately there's probably going to be something along those lines uh, some, some some changes moving forward and whether that's maybe keeping cfp revenue uh to, to themselves or, or something along those lines i, I think you definitely see uh, a rejiggering of, of that split coming out of the acc because you know frankly it it under, it's understandable uh why why they're making those advances as much as you know people want to talk about uh being in a, in a league with uh, even members and all that uh, you know the, the value that Boston College brings is, is is a lot different from Florida State. So, um, you know they're making that push. Maybe that can help close the gap a, a little bit in some areas. And you know, frankly, the ACC is doing as much as they can, kind of around the margins to kind of grow those revenues. And, and we'll see ultimately what uh, what Jim Phillips and the, and the crew there in uh, Charlotte uh, have, have in mind in terms of the, the timeline. But but I do anticipate uh, something along those lines and changing the revenue distribution for the ACC uh, in, in the not too distant future.
3: Well, as far as Pac-12 basketball is concerned, UCLA's had a pretty darn good season. Arizona, obviously very solid. Outside of UCLA and Arizona, how many NCAA bids do you think reside in the pac 12
1: I, I think there's probably three, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty decent chance that, uh, you know, USC, even if they were to kind of go out in the first round, would, would probably be in. Now, they're, they're probably not the, going to be a great seed. You know, maybe there's that potential for, for even going to the first four, depending on what ha- happens elsewhere around the country. But um, you know, I think there's a pretty solid three. And then I think there is an opportunity, whether it's Oregon, Arizona State, if they can enhance their resume here in Vegas, um you know they've got a chance to to be the fourth but it might be a uh you know where you kind of got to make a run and and maybe lose close in the semis or something like that but uh, both those programs do have work left to go but uh, i think there is the opportunity for you know the pack 12 to emerge with four bids which considering it's kind of been a down year out west i I think that's a a pretty solid outcome if, if you're the conference office or one of the schools
4: I, uh, I'll be down there here tomorrow. I call games for Utah State, and uh, the Mountain West is hoping to get three or four. Do you think that's in the realm of possibility?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, I, I know. Just uh, talking with some some folks over the Mountain West, they're, they're very confident in, in three, and uh, you know, depending on what shakes out, but certainly in, in some of those uh, you know semifinal, quarterfinal type of games, uh, you know, I, I think the Mountain West has, has an opportunity, and you know, it's just a, such a weird year uh, for the bubble. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, I was talking with some some folks that, that you know, have gone through the, the typical committee process, and uh, they they don't envy the folks that are uh, putting the bracket together this year. You know, there is such a just such a nebulous between those kind of middle tier power five teams, and uh, you know sorting through them is going to be difficult, but that does open the door for a league like the Mountain West to, to maybe steal a bid here or two, um, you know, especially if, you know, you look at some of those other conference tournaments and the favorites end up winning, you know, like a Charleston or somebody like that. Um, you know, that definitely helps a, a, a conference like the Mountain West case. We,
4: so, oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: So Brian, as you kind of picture the big 12 coming up here next basketball season, obviously Scotty and I have a lot of interest in it because BYU is going to be a part of it. Now you look at it with Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, I would say in a a short term you're going to be taking Texas and Oklahoma out of it. But let's just say Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12, those four new additions, where does BYU fit in that conference in your opinion?
1: Well, you know, certainly from from a basketball standpoint, you know, it, it's a difficult time to kind of join the the, the Big Twelve in groups just because of you know the, the strength of the programs. Um, you know, you, you got to understand that um, yes, there are some transitions going on at, at Texas Tech and in Texas with uh, likely new coaches coming in uh, to both those spots. But uh, you you look at obviously Kansas continues to do their thing time after time. They actually just announced uh, you know some some big renovations out on the field house and a lot of the facilities. So you understand the money is there you know for Kansas to kind of keep this thing rolling under Bill itself. You got uh, Baylor, obviously, uh, you know, rolling but they have a, I think, a really good shot at uh, winning the tournament this week. So it's just, you add Houston to that mix, which is going to be in line for the number one seed, and really, it's kind of playing a home game if they can make it to the final four it's just a tough basketball league. And, and then, uh, you know, a little bit things more wide open, I, I would say in terms of, uh, you know, football and, and, and some of the other sports uh, in terms of BYU's perspective, but in basketball, they're going to kind of look at uh, kind of being humbled. I, I think early on it's that uh, they can't make the, the early progress because it's, it's going to be an adjustment playing into a league like that, where you cannot take a, a weekend off, you know, that the teams are just that good. And really, Anybody can, can beat anybody, and I think that uh, has proven to be the case this year in, in such a deep pick 12.
4: Well, we certainly appreciate your time. Enjoy uh, the uh, the the vibe down there in Vegas. Uh, always great. I love conference tournament week. Always a lot of fun, and I uh, look forward to catching up with you again here soon.
3: We'll be watching you, Brian. Absolutely. Sounds good,
4: guys. Brian Fisher, college football writer uh, for Fox, uh, and this week taking a stab at some college hoops too. Can they, you imagine? they tell you to go, you go.
3: Can you imagine the Big 12 adding Houston, adding Cincinnati? Yeah. Adding Central Florida. Oklahoma was the they've been the bottom feeder for basketball this this season, but take out Oklahoma, take out Texas. They've got one more season, one more basketball season, right? They got one more football season and one more yes, basketball
4: correct, season. Yes, correct, correct. And then then they're gone after next year.
3: What a what a wild ride that's going to be.
4: I know. I can't wait, honestly. I'm ready for – I mean, look, we always get to this point where we're like, oh, man, let's get college football going. And uh, But this fall is going to be fantastic. Yeah.
3: In this state, it's going to be lights out. There's Yeah. Well, just following – right now, following the Pac-12 storylines have has been fascinating to me. Listening to Brian talk about – and he feels like some of those early meetings have gone pretty well, where they get the presidents and chancellors and people start to – talk and build a little continuity. I just think you have the potential of a lot of backstabbing.
4: Yes. Well, I mean, let's go back to, it wasn't the Pac-12, but it's the Mountain West, our conversation with Jerry Bovi yesterday, and we asked him how those meetings and like, oh yeah, everybody's civil, everybody does their thing, but at the end of the day, you got one job, and that's to protect your university. Mm-hmm. That's why you're there. Now, you can do that collectively by working through others, and there might be you know, you know, work for you to get better by everybody getting better. But at the end of the day, you're there for one job, and that is to protect you and your university and your athletic department and make it as great as it possibly can be and as financially solvent as it possibly can be. And so if it means you've got to stab somebody in the back, yeah, you do it. Your job is
3: not to make that other person no. feel good and cozy. No. And so if I've got to sit here in a meeting with you and convince you – Hey, Scotty, we're all on board here in Hanstown. We are committed to this. And the second I walk out, I turn to my assistant and I say, Hey, I got a funny feeling about him. I don't think I don't think he's on the up and up because you're not on the up and up. Yeah. I just feel like everybody is so out for themselves. So being able to come to any type of long-term agreement on granted rights, it's
4: not going to happen. No. Think Oregon and Washington want to sign some 10 year grant of rights? Not a chance. Not a chance, nor should they. Frankly, Utah shouldn't either. You'd be hard pressed to get five out of them. Yeah. All right, 97.5, the ksl Sports Zone, 1248. What you may have missed coming up next, right here on the zone.
2: This is, this is DJ and PK. Tim
4: LaComb, join us. Where do our BYU Cougars go
2: from here?
3: They're going to rise to the occasion. and It's going to be a learning curve, no doubt, particularly basketball. Just if it was football, they'd be going to the SEC. It's the best league in the country. Like any huge undertaking, it's going to take a ton of effort and a ton of people pulling in the same direction. But one thing I know is BYU is a really competitive place. If You are competitive people. They want to be known for excellence. And over time, I think they can get there. This year was a rough year back Basketball wise, you know, we had one our last year there. Football's done a good job. I think football's positioned with coaching moves and getting things kind of solidified. So it's going to be fun. I live a mile
2: from there. I live just far enough away that I don't have anything to do with it, but I can sit and watch it all, and it's going to be fascinating. (laughs) Catch DJ and PK, mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. 20, 20, 24 hours I won't be so Nothing to do,
4: no
2: way to go.
4: 1254, Hans and Scotty coming up next. We'll chat with the great Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. You sure? (laughs) We're hoping. We might double check with him. (laughs) We'll just see. But it's
3: exciting to catch up with him and be called Hans. Can, when you talk to him, could you just be like, "I know it's been five years, but could you"? The problem is, he—I've heard
4: him say Hans. Hans yeah. I've heard him say it, he even like apologized when he was yes. with us in person for saying Hans. I know he struggles with it more than anybody it's I think I've ever met. It, more than anybody you've I, ever I can, met. It's pretty rough. I can think of something worse.
3: Yeah, I could think of a couple. Does anybody care
4: how the West Coast Conference tournament it doesn't ended? help when when Lloyd puts Hans Gruber on the uh, daily tweet? <laughs> that was that was an act. No, it was, was had nothing to do with it. I swear it's a subliminal message no, to people. We're, we're doing a a bracket here coming up. And it just I thought of that movie. That's an 80s action, not a 90s Right action. on the cusp. But y- you get the gist.
3: OK, but this wasn't the on the cusp thing. I'll oh, stop. It had nothing to do with it. It really didn't. Hey, does anybody really care how the West Coast Conference Tournament played out?
4: (laughs) Not now, no. Let me guess, Gonzaga won. By a lot. Yeah, Gonzaga. I I actually watched uh, probably about 10 minutes of it. They flexed. Enough to see them. And honestly, St. Mary's, the way they looked in that second half against BYU, you thought, okay, well, maybe that rattled their cage a little bit. They'll play much better. And that was not the case. That's their 10th
3: tournament championship in 11 years. St. Mary's got one of those championships in 2019. But 10 out of 11 years, Gonzaga's rolled off these championships. And they just keep getting these exceptional players. I did think this is interesting because you've got a huge history of Gonzaga basketball. Drew Timmy scored 18 points in that game last night. It made him the all-time Gonzaga leader, scores leader. So Drew Timmy's doing his thing. There's a part of me that wonders if this is going to be the team that actually makes... Real noise. They had Gonzaga had a team that went to the Final Four, right? Is that yeah? There wasn't a championship Gonzaga team.
4: No, not a championship. The they played years. in the championship game, but, but they lost. did.
3: They did make it the championship game once. Yeah, yeah, yep. Makes me wonder if if this is a team. If Drew Timmy can really get going, you got Malachi Smith who's so good, Nolan Hickman who's good. You've got um, Anton Watson that's really good. It's a really good basketball team. If they play like they did against St. Mary's, they really could take anybody off the court.
4: Yeah. But, uh, you know, usually we say that about them. And more often than not, it's uh, not uh, not what they would like it to be. And I think that championship game, they went into that game undefeated and then got blitzed by, who was it? Yeah, undefeated. They go to Baylor. Yeah, it was the year they played Baylor. And Baylor beat them by 16. They were undefeated going into that game. They were 31-0. And Baylor just smacked him around. What year was that? That was two years ago. That was the 2020, 21 season. And then last year, they got bounced in the Sweet 16. Um, let's see, year before that. Oh, yeah, there was no tournament. Uh, let's go to the 19, uh, made it to the Elite 8. Man, they're
3: always in the mix, aren't they're they?
4: They're always in the mix, but always a bridesmaid.
3: Well, We'll see how they do this year, and they definitely earned their seeding, and they have put together a really good season, but that was a dominant
4: win. They did lose a championship game back in the uh, 16-17 season in North Carolina, 71-65. So they've been there twice. That was in 2016? Yeah, it was the 2017 NCAA tournament.
3: Well, I can tell you my bracket's going to have them making a pretty good run this year.
4: That's a good question. I don't know what I would do with them. That's a tough one. You
3: think they're a
4: fraud? Um, do you think the conference wasn't as strong? No, the conference never is strong. That's the problem with Gonzaga. And I think that's why you'll see them in whether the Pac-12 or the Big 12 in terms of a basketball-only school, because they play a insanely hard non-conference schedule. And then they go into conference and they're you know playing LMU twice and Pepperdine twice and Santa Clara twice, and it doesn't give them a challenge. Remember, they didn't even win the conference this year. Yeah. St. Mary's won the regular season conference, right? So, um, it just seems like they're not—they're never really peaking because I don't think they're challenged throughout the regular season. It is crazy their consistency,
3: though. Yeah, and watching the time that we've watched BYU be in that conference. And how many regular season games they lose and then comparing it to Gonzaga. Remember, I went back and did the math on all of that and it was astronomical how consistent they are. BYU's lost 20-some-odd conference games and in that same stretch, Gonzaga's lost like four. Yeah, It's some ridiculous number like that. Now, the conference isn't great. Top to bottom is not great. Top three have been Okay. Number one has just been a constant contender. Yeah. A true national championship contender.
4: The thing that outside of St. Mary's, now BYU already had a cooking, but outside of St. Mary's, you know, when BYU in the eighties got really rolling in football, it elevated the rest of the conference. Sonny Lubick and Colorado State were nationally ranked. Ron McBride gets Utah going. And because other schools are like, we just can't get beat up like this over and over and over, this is embarrassing. And so the rest of the conference realized, okay, we have to commit to football if we're going to have this thing being remotely competitive. And I I, I know know, Utah fans don't like hearing this, but I do think the excellence of BYU helped elevate a lot of teams, including Utah, realizing they had to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't happened in the West Coast Conference. Outside of St. Mary's, nobody else is competing. Now, BYU didn't need to elevate. They were already great when they came into the conference. But LMU is not invested into its basketball program. Santa Clara, you know, you go down the list, these are still just a bunch of nobodies. And they haven't answered the bell. And I think that's really annoyed Mark Few and Gonzaga. They're like, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I think that's why they're going to bolt eventually and go somewhere and be a basketball-only program. I mean, for a big-time conference. Sooner than later. Yeah. I think. I mean, the Mountain West nearly got them. Although I do think the Mountain West was getting played a little bit a few years ago by Gonzaga. Because Gonzaga was saying, yeah, we'll come in as a basketball-only school, and let's go. And in reality, what they did was go back to the West Coast Conference and say, we want to keep all of our NCAA tournament money. We want um, to not play a conference tournament game until the semifinals. Like, they laid out what they wanted, and the West Coast Conference rolled over and gave it to them. And I think that was their, their thought all along. I don't know if they really seriously considered jumping to the Mountain West. All right, 102, Hanson Scotty. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Kurt Healand joins us next. I'm Dave Cauley,
0: investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home.